Welcome to the Good Word Podcast, a sermon podcast from Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Missoula, Montana, a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, a series of selections from Scripture for each week in the church year that is used by many Christian churches around the world. I'm Pastor Molly Sasser-Gainer. And I'm Pastor Rebecca Cochran. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. Connect with us in person at 10 a.m. on Sundays or digitally at imluchurch.org. We're also active on Facebook and Instagram. Through the month of October, we will be celebrating Emmanuel's 125th anniversary. If you tune into our live stream, you'll hear scripture and sermons that help celebrate Emmanuel's ministry all month long. This week, we are joined by Pastor Terry Oliver, who was the intentional interim pastor from 2001 to 2002 at Emmanuel. This week, we have also selected scripture that helps us celebrate our branch of ministry, that is, transforming lives through mission and service. Hear now the parable of the sheep and the goats from Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. Here's the reading from the NRSV. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you? or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then also they will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, Just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Dear friends, God's grace and peace be multiplied to you and Christ Jesus now and always. And how about those grizzlies? (laughs) 
That was pretty cool last night. Yeah, some of you stayed up late like we did and watched it. I had the privilege of staying with Jim and Cindy Bendixson while I'm here, and, and uh, we cheered back and forth, especially at those last minutes of the game, if you were seeing it. But I know on how the, football, the local football team does has a lot to do with Sunday morning preaching. I learned this early on. <clears throat> so if the Grizz would have gotten beat, and even beaten closely, it would have meant this was time for grief counseling. <laughs> and on the other hand, they won in a good way, a challenging way. We can say, yeah, go team, and how about this, folks? Let's huddle up and let's go get them. <laughs> and we can take more challenge to our, our celebration. It's sure good to be back with you. Thank you so much for inviting me to be here. Uh, I just feel really blessed to be back. Uh, I'll count you always a, a real joy in my heart and, uh, and such a privilege to have had some time with you and build some friendships, but also see God at work. And the fruit is in the, in the pudding to see what God has been doing in you. And I take no credit for that. Uh, it was you who put together the dreams and visions you had for what you wanted to be and uh, God who made it happen, and I just got to be a cheerleader at the time and come back again and say, yeah, way to go. <laughs> uh, not only go Grizz, but go Imlu. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Anyway, um, I'd like to just consider it a privilege to both congratulate you in this time and where you've come and how far you've gone and what you're doing. Say what I... Overhear the Holy Spirit whispering in the Trinity, well done, good and faithful servants. I'd also encourage you to keep going uh, because there's a lot more things to be done, especially if we want to take seriously the call to go and proclaim the kingdom of God that is already ours in Christ Jesus, but is, is still at work transforming lives by the gospel and by our serving and our mission, and what we do, and not just what we do, but by who we are. Jesus didn't say, go into all the world and do witnessing. He says, you shall be my witnesses. You're going to be the evidence, because the Holy Spirit will be at work in you too. And that's what's kind of exciting. Um, looking at our text today, this is really an important passage, isn't it? It really is that Jesus saying, um, as you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. We could get the full grasp of that. It changes our sense of mission uh, because we're called into the world to receive Christ as we welcome the hungry, the homeless, the stranger, the sick, the prisoner, the bound, the addicted. We are getting a chance not just to receive Christ in our baptism, in our confirmation, statement of faith, when we come and receive communion, uh, when we share in fellowship, but we get to receive Christ in the world as we receive him in the form of the hungry and the homeless and the naked and the stranger. I had the privilege of being in a retreat in my first year of seminary uh, with D.T. Niles, Bishop of the Church of South India, right there in the cross world of world religions and Muslims and Hindus 
yes, Christians, but minority and a whole kind of world religions. And he had asked the question, what do we do with all these folks who don't hear verbally about Jesus? And it, he felt the Lord had shown him that they get an opportunity to receive Christ as they receive Jesus in the needs of the neighbor. Mother Teresa had that vision, and she shared that with others. But we can have it too, right here in Missoula, Montana, or we too in Shelton, Washington. But I want to talk about how is it that we are able to accomplish, be some of that in an ongoing kind of way. Um, have to first of all remember, let's go back here, um, Matthew 25 has three parables to it. My Norwegian digital computer works. One, two, three. Okay. Uh, the first one is about the kingdom of heaven is like a wedding that's coming and there are maidens and that the custom to go out with their lamps of oil and light the way for the bridegroom to come. And he said, five are f uh, foolish and didn't take enough oil and five were wise. And it goes on with that parable. That oil is a rep representative of the Holy Spirit. It's one of the five symbols of the Holy Spirit in Scripture. The breath of life, the wind, the fire, the descending dove, the running river, and the anointing oil. And so the first thing uh, he says that's important for the church to have, and remember he's talking about the church of the last times, which it was inaugurated then, but it goes on till now. What does Matthew 25 come after? My Norwegian digital computer doesn't go that high, but I did learn that 24 comes before 25, right? Matthew 24, if you look at that, it scares the daylights out of you. At least a lot of people does. It's a little apocalypse. The collection of the word of Jesus about some signs that his coming again, his return, is eminent. And so there's a lot of stuff there. So all that is signs of the end. And those things, by the way, have been happening all through history in every generation of the church. There probably hasn't been a generation of church that hasn't said, well, our age could be what he's talking about because there's been little apocalypses now all through history. But certainly we could say, we're living in apocalyptic times, right? We don't have to be the only ones to say it. You know, Time Magazine will say it, or all the news media will say that. Um, the, the days are apocalyptic. They're scary. And we see that in the news right now. How then do we live? Well, first of all, have oil in your lamp. Have the Holy Spirit working in you. The Spirit, again, that came to you in all these different ways. Let that light shine. Second thing he says is, told the story about we all have gifts. Pastor April talked about that last week, about each one of you have a gift from God, maybe many gifts from God. Use them for God's glory. Don't bury them. Don't say, well, mine doesn't count. I'm, after all, not something high and heavy-duty, whatever. Yes, you do count. And it's all of us one-talent people that God uses put together in the body of Christ. And remember she said, kids, get along, <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, re receive one another as fellow members in Christ and recognize that you have, aha, the seal of the Holy Spirit, that invisible. When we were baptized, 
not only baptized in water, but that oil was applied to our forehead in most cases as a sign of the cross. And we are members of one another, not because of how we think alike, act alike, feel alike, or do anything alike, or are so righteous, but simply because we're people who have been died for. We're people who have been claimed by Christ. We are brothers and sisters because of what he has done for us, not because of what we do for him. And so, and then we come to the day. And Jesus says to us, where will you find me? Where are you going to find me? Remember in those days, and for the first 300 years of the church, they didn't go to church. They really didn't. They didn't have church buildings. They were illegal. They were criminals. They were thrown to, to lions and all those kind of things. It was pretty tough. That didn't matter. They met for prayer and the breaking of bread and worship. And they went to the streets and they picked up the hurting and the homeless. Jay Stark says that the one single thing that led to the uh, conversion of the Roman Empire to become a Ro Holy Roman Empire, which I don't know if that was good or not, was what the Christians did on the streets. But they went to the people suffering from the plague or whatever, and they took care of them, which no one else did. That was a pretty strong sign that something new was happening. The kingdom of God has indeed come in Jesus, and these people were willing to lay down their life for that. So, how do we live this out? Transforming lives through mission and service, through witness and service. I know that uh, it's quoted many times by us Lutherans uh, that Jesus said, you know, or at, at all times, go and preach the gospel. And you know what comes after that? And when necessary, use words. You probably heard that. It's attributed to everybody, to Martin Luther, and it's attributed to, you know, St. Francis and many. It's a good word, because if we don't do good works, you know, Matthew, uh, excuse me, Ephesians 2a talks about, by grace you're saved through faith, that's not of yourself, it's the gift of God, lest no one should boast. It goes on to say, for you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, that you can do it the things he's prepared for you. Good works prepare, lead to goodwill in the people we want to serve. And goodwill allows you to bring good news. Do you get that? Good works that we do in response to the gospel of good news helps us bring good works, and that brings goodwill. People say, what's into those people? Why did they show up at my school to rake the leaves or to fix the boiler? And the school couldn't afford to hire enough people to do everything. Why did those Christians volunteer? And you can say, well, because I followed someone who washed feet. Why can't I help you rake some leaves? You see, it helps us form a way. When I left Missoula, um, I went to, was asked to start a church in a recreation community in Union on Hood Canal had people living there for 150 years and never had a church that stuck or stuck around. And we followed that principle, kind of like Young Life, if you have Young Life here in, in Missoula. Um, you have to make contact. You have to be in the world. You have to build relationships with people. Know that they, you care about them, not that you want them to come to your club or come to church. As you build those relationships and build trust, 
then you have earned the right to share good news. Well, so good works are really important. But it's also important that we talk about it. I really believe that. And I tell you why. Because as we confess in our confession of faith, a confession of sins at the beginning, our lives are not unambiguous. My life sure isn't. I fit in all of those categories that we confessed. Yeah. Um, my life is not a clear testimony to Jesus sometimes. I can be driving down the road and inadvertently not look over my corner, my shoulder, and cut somebody off. Woo! I look in the rearview mirror and I'm getting the California greeting. <laughs> ah. Or sometimes I am willfully breaking speed limits, you know. I can go a little over that. Oh, I'm going even faster than that. Oh, well, that's okay. I'll get there sooner. Yeah, we're, my life, I better not put a bumper sticker that says, honk if you love Jesus <laughs> on my car, huh? Yeah. So our lives are not ambiguous. So we have to say, as D.T. Niles said again, witness, evangelism, that's a kind of a word that's gotten a bad rap because of the way some people have used it. Witness, evangelism, all those things are simply one beggar telling another beggar where they found food. Okay? We are not better than anybody else on this planet. We are simply one beggar, one homeless person telling another homeless person. And when we look down on homeless people, I always say, there but for the grace of God am I. You know? Yeah. Um, where to find food. And from... For us, we're not ashamed to say, my, I have hope because of Jesus. He is my hope. And I'm happy to say that. I don't know where I'd be. I don't know how my life would still be together. I don't know. I wouldn't, wouldn't be off in a loony bin going... <laughs> we all, I know. We all grew up in our own form of dysfunction. Well, you decided back in 2002 you were going to be a church that went out there, that you weren't going to just be in here. You want to take care of this? You've done a wonderful thing. Uh, Jim gave me a tour yesterday around the building as you've been remodeled it, and you used space so well, and the elevator, and, and all these little spaces everywhere It's working. As I was going around, I got lost. I said, I feel like I'm in Ikea. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was just neat to walk around here and see what you're doing. But all of this is so you can do the work you do outside. Yeah, you bring people in for things, and that's great. Now, I'm, I'm really impressed as I see some of the things that you've written up here in your narrative. It's <clears throat> the things that you've been a part of. Missoula Interfaith Collaborative, Washington Middle School, development of the Faith Family Gatherings, uh, the learning hour that puts people together intergenerationally. Uh, Missoula, Missoula Works, Family Promise, Middle Ark Family Housing Center, Common Good. The list goes on and on. Those are good things. And those are a witness that you are involved in them. Have you heard of the, this concept of the blue zones? Did any of you watch that on Netflix? There's a little five-segment thing that... It, um, National Geographic commissioned a guy to, to do and uh, it takes a look, a look at five places around the world where more people live to over a hundred than anywhere else and what are the common factors that makes that happen 
And so some places are involving in blue zone projects, some communities. Um, and I understand from these things that you're doing, there's a lot of common programs available to be a part of. Um, and that's, that's great. You don't have to be a blue zone. I invite you to take a look at this segment sometime uh, and see what kinds of things make for longevity. And of course, diet and exercise and Mediterranean living and all those kinds of things are part of it. But also, faith is, and connection, and taking care of seniors. Ah, I are one. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that's important. Um, it's, it's good stuff. And in Albert Lee, Minnesota, that was a good Lutheran area, um, they had one of the first projects for Blue Zones. And guess what? The church was a part of that. The Lutheran churches there were a part of that. And you know what that does? That's a witness to the community that our churches care about the life expectancy and the health and the well-being of everybody in this area. And that's as, as it should be. That's a witness that's important to the world. The, the book we read in Union as we started, the externally focused church, started with the question, if your church vanished, would anybody in your community miss it? It's a good question to ask, huh? Now, I think I can say, as I look at you and what you're doing, and especially the youthfulness and the young ones coming up here, yeah, this church would be missed a lot in Missoula. It really would be. Well done, good and faithful servants. Now, I just want to leave you with this, of transforming a community, transforming lives through witness and service happens not just by committees and programs. It happens by people, by servants like you, who form relationships with people that people know they're loved unconditionally and build trust. God is wanting us to get beyond that. I'm happy to sit on the board for the homeless shelter in Shelton because we have a lot of homeless people in town. On the other hand, as I sometimes even brought meals, it's great to do. It's kind of challenged at first, though, to get on the feeding line and actually hand out the food, fill the plate, and get to know people that were going through the line. But you know, as I did, and I got to know people on a first-name basis and began to understand them and their story and find out their story, listen for people's story. Everybody's got a story. Problem with funerals is I find out too late about what their story was. Get to know the people together here as well as the people around you and their story. Listen with empathy, not with moralism or judgment, but just listen. Wow, that's amazing. Those are great things, to, gifts to give to people. And a way of recognizing, welcoming the stranger, feeding the hungry when necessary, clothing the naked. Keep that clothing banker, support it. We've got a lot of stuff to get rid of, don't we? Especially as we age. Uh, but get to know the people that come, the Ukrainian refugee or the Syrian refugee or whoever else might be in your presence. Build those relationships. And then yourself. We can't give away what we don't have. Continue 
to keep allowing God's Spirit to put life in your light, to get oil in your lamp, to say, Lord, I can't do it. You take over. Take over my life. Third step stuff, I surrender my life and my will to power greater than myself, whatever it calls for in your prayer life. But I want God to fill so that I can see and be someone for the least of these. There's one other group of the least of these I'd like you to especially remember right now in your prayers and your thoughts and learning. And that's your brothers and sisters in the Lutheran Church in Palestine. Palestine, as you know, is receiving a whole lot of harsh criticism because of what Hamas has done. And that's, of course, what they did was atrocious. But Palestinians are likely to be misunderstood in this country. I know because my wife and I spent three months in Bethlehem this spring. We were there with the Bethlehem Bible College, which is a training ministry center for Palestinians, Christians, to go into ministry work and service. And they do a great job with so many people. And they become a center for peace in the Middle East. And people come from all over the world to take seminars there on understanding justice and peace in a Middle Eastern context. Well, we were privileged to be the hosts of a guest house for the people that came to learn their stories and especially to learn the Palestinian stories. And not just the Christians, but the Muslims as well. And the relationships there are very good, despite what the world or the press tells you. Our press does not tell us nearly enough, especially you don't hear on the 6 o'clock news what's really going on there. Uh, I'm afraid the occupation is not just of Palestine, but of our, of our TV news media as well. We only get a very little snippet of what's happening there. And right now, it's devastation in Gaza. You know that. And there's people in the Israeli government, not all of the people of Israel, not certainly Jews in general, but in the government there, like our government, has some real failings. And they would just as soon like to see all the Palestinians eradicated. A couple of the cabinet members of Netanyahu have actually been quoted with that comment. So it puts things into a real deep predicament. I got a text, I got a text this morning from a taxi driver in Bethlehem, Abu Dakikan, a Muslim fellow, a very God-fearing man, one who receives Christ in the, in the least of these. He said, pray for us. He's texted there, that prayer is a little symbol, you know, pray for us. Things are very hard and difficult now. And he's in Bethlehem, not in Gaza. Remember your brothers and sisters in Palestine. As we had the children's message, and I love to see uh, little Jonathan, little, no, Joseph, little Joe, climbing around here. I remember the baptism service I was at at Christmas Lutheran Church in Bethlehem. And the baptized one was about two, squirmed out of his mom and dad's arms all the time, and got up in the pulpit. He had to climb up the pulpit because they have steps there. And I said, look out, he's going to want to be a preacher. <laughs> I want to leave you with a story. It started in Missoula. I was a senior in college. 
with a friend traveling to a Lutheran student congress in uh, Iowa. And we were asking ourselves, we're pre-SAM, how do we proclaim Christ to a, a trainload of people traveling in a time that was apocalyptic? Vietnam was going on, all these things. We got to Missoula. This was in the day when the passenger trains came through, so you can tell how far, how long ago that was. <laughs> we stopped at the depot, and I looked out in the track, and here was a staggering tall cowboy, kind of like the Marlboro man, with Stetson on, grip, and you could tell he'd spent a little bit too much time at the local watering hole. Yeah. And anyway, sure enough, he got on the train, and wouldn't you know it, he sat right in front of my friend and I. Oh, he reeked. He really did. And um, what do we do now? I mean, we didn't know if we were gonna, how we were going to talk about Christ to people. He's, he reached his grip, gets a swig of his Jim Beam or whatever it was, puts it back. And wouldn't you know, he pulls out a hymn book from St. Paul Gospel Mission. And he started singing. Love lifted me. Come home, oh sinner, come home. He squirmed. That just wasn't our style. Wouldn't you know it, he started singing some Christmas songs. And wouldn't you know it, some kids, bless the kids, came up around him and started singing them with him. We looked at each other and we had to make a decision. Will we join him or run to the club car? <laughs> we decided we joined him. We stood up and we sang with him. And pretty soon a little hush settled over the car. Next thing you know, the conductor comes down the aisle. And he was cussing everybody out when he was going through picking the tickets. And he was whistling, holy, holy, holy. <laughs> we thought, we're in church. This must be something that God's doing here. As the night ended, there was a young lady who had just left her husband at Fort Lewis. He's going to be shipped out. A lot of hurt, a lot of worry. We were able to spend time with her and praying and trusting Christ with her for all that was going to happen. But we had to came away from the sense that Jesus was there with the least of them on that place. Keep light in your oil, oil in your lamp and keep on shining. Keep on working together. It takes two to be Jesus. But let your light shine to transform lives here. God bless you. Uh, sure good to be with you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Good Word Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. We'll be back next week with another Good Word. Until then, many blessings to you.